Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah, I saw Paul, and uh, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> he looked very sparkly. Looked like a Christmas ornament. Yes. Everybody doing good? You survived. We, uh, we had, had a week off. Uh, we, went to, we went to Disney last week. And uh, so I'm taking up offering, special offering. Anybody want to help? Uh, wow. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, it was. It's just fun being with the kids, you know, and watching them experience it, you know. That's what makes it fun. So today we're still in this overcoming series, and I want to talk about overcoming inadequacy. How do you overcome inadequacy? You know, to when you feel not quite up to the task, and we all struggle with it at times. All of us have seasons, moments. This has been a year where we maybe all felt inadequate at times because we're doing things we've never done before in a different way. We've never, you know, we had to do church in a way we've never done church before. Uh, a lot of changes. We certainly felt inadequate to all of the, all of the challenges. But you know, just everything we're called to do, being a husband, being a wife. Uh, I certainly feel inadequate as a wife. But uh, <laughs> being a husband or wife, you feel inadequate, uh, not up to the task. Sometimes being a parent, ever feel inadequate as a parent? Uh, being a parent, the job job description is always changing. You know, it's, you know, it's one thing when they're two, it's, you know, they call it the terrible twos for a reason. Uh, it's because they start talking back uh, at two. And then, you know, that doesn't mean they're not a delight during that time, but then, you know, then there's, uh, <laughs> if you thought two was bad, wait till they get 13. Uh, <laughs> it's just a challenge. It's just different, right? And uh, it's still a joy, still a joy. Uh, so you feel inadequate at your job, your, as your job uh, requirements have changed, or they do change. Maybe even as a follower of Christ, I mean, we don't feel like we measure up often at times. The list goes on and on. Everything in life, every calling in life, every gifting in life, there's a temptation to feel inadequate. So since you feel inadequate, it may cause you not to want to start some things because you feel like this is going to be hard. I don't feel like I'll be able to finish. So you don't want to start. Or it may cause you to want to quit because you're in the middle of it, and the middle is often difficult. You know, have you noticed that the middle is always the hard part? You know, just like if you, you buy a car and now they finance it for like 30 years, uh, you know, and you get, the, you get the middle, the middle of your car payments, and it's usually about the same time it starts breaking down. And so you think, oh, man, you know, decisions. So we feel inadequate to the task ahead of us. We want to shrink back. We don't want to do what God's called us to do. And we hear the accuser, you know, the, the accuser of the brethren attacking us and accusing us and pointing to our failures and weaknesses. How many, how many of you have weaknesses? Well, all of us have weaknesses, right? We all recognize that. And I believe there's three statements that the enemy makes to us. And I want to talk to you about today out of the life of David. You may think, well, there's, you know, you've preached the life of David multiple times, and I have. And I'm even going to talk about the most the most common story in the life of David, David and Goliath. But I think there's something here that maybe you haven't heard before, or if you have, you get to hear it again. Uh, 
three statements the enemy makes to us, and that is, the first statement is, you're not worthy. Second statement the enemy makes to us is that you're not able. And the third story that the enemy makes to us is you're not blessed. The first statement, he says, you're not worthy. So here's what's going on. So the, the Philistines have gathered up against Israel uh, for war. It's springtime, and Israel's gathered on one side of the valley of Ephah, and the Philistines are gathered on the other side of the valley of Ephah. And so every day, Goliath, the giant, is coming out and challenging Israel to battle. And he says, you know, don't, we don't all need to fight. Just one of you come out and fight me. And whoever wins, the one will serve the other. If you beat me, we'll serve you. If, you know, the one will serve the other. So day after day, this goes on day after day. So every morning they gather up in battle array and they go out and bang on their swords, you know, and, and uh, lift up their skirts and do everything, you know, to offend each other. And, uh, and then Goliath comes out and challenges and Israel kind of retreats and runs back. And this goes on for 40 days. So David, young David, just a few... <laughs> months before, has been anointed by God to be the next king of Israel. He has no idea how it's going to play out. He doesn't know the timeline. He doesn't know how difficult it's going to be. But God anoints him. The way he does it, he goes to the house of, of Jesse, David after Godler. Samuel is sent by God to anoint a man after God's own heart. And he doesn't know who it's going to be. So he walks into the room, and he, Jesse gathers all of his sons, he gathers first the oldest, Eliab, his taller than the others. And Samuel thinks, because Saul was a tall king, uh, Samuel thinks, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And God specifically says to Samuel, no, don't look at his appearance. Because God doesn't look at the appearance. God looks at the heart. God doesn't look the way man looks. He says, don't, don't choose him based on his heart. He's, I haven't chosen this one. And they walk all the other sons in front of Samuel, Samuel says, this isn't it. This, none of these sons are, are the, uh, the one that God's chosen. Do you have any other sons? And it's almost like, well, yeah, we've got the run of the litter. You know, and, well, where is he? Well, he's out watching sheep. You know, he's, he's, you know, these are all warriors. These are all mature men. These are all, you know, king-ready guys. And Samuel says, well, we're not going to sit down and eat until you've brought him. So they, they go and get Samuel. They, Samuel goes, they send for David. David comes, and, and the Lord said, this is he. This is the one. This is the one I've chosen. And so Samuel anoints him with all to be the next king of Israel. So now they've gathered, you know, for, for battle in Israel. So Jesse says to David, who is not at battle with his brothers, he's watching the sheep. He says, listen, I want you to leave the sheep. I want you to go and take this food. So he takes, you know, like a half bushel of grain. He takes 10 loaves of bread. He takes 10 rounds of cheese. Takes, takes, I want you to take this to the commander and give it to him. And when he shows up, just when he shows up, they're all lining up for battle array. 
Of course, you know, David, you know, being a young man, you know, he's, he's wanting to see what's going on. So he leaves all the, he leaves all the stuff with, the, with the, the keeper of the baggage and he runs to the battle line and out comes Goliath and makes this, you know, this challenge, you know, give me a, give me a champion to fight against me. And, and uh, David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? And the, so the people around explain to him, listen, hey, listen. Here's what the king says. The king says, if somebody will defeat Goliath, then he's going to give him his daughter to marry. He's going to make him rich, and he's going to let him live tax-free, all of his family. David says, really? And as he hears that, his older brother Eliab overhears what's going on, and Eliab says to him, David, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. He says, I know the presumption. I know your presumption and the evil in your heart. Now, why would he attack his heart? Because that's the, that's the root of David's calling. The root of David's calling is that God has said, I'm looking for a man after God's own heart, and I've chosen him, and that man is David. The root of David's calling is that he doesn't have an evil heart. He's a man after God's own heart. So it's, first of all, it's direct attack on his calling. It's also attack on him as his value as a person. You're evil and presumptuous. You have an evil, wicked heart and you're being irresponsible, you've gone off and left the sheep, those little few sheep in the wilderness, you're not doing your job, and it's his older brother. His older, you know, his older brother, his older brother that he probably looked up to. His older brother who was a warrior and who, who he had, you know, his whole life, he had, he's seen the great things his brother has done. He's somebody he looked up to. Now here's the other thing you need to get. The attacks that the enemy is going to bring against you aren't going to come from strangers. They're going to come from people you know. Because, you know, it doesn't matter what strangers say to you. They don't wound you. You can be driving into work. Somebody can roll down the window, yell at you. You've cut them off. They can call you every name in the book. They can give you the, your number one symbol. You get to work, you don't say, I'm not driving to work anymore. I'm taking dart. I just can't take it. There was a man in a car, and he said bad things about me. I'm never going to drive again. No, that doesn't affect us that way at all. Why? Because we don't know him. Now, if the person sitting next to you as you're driving, your friend, your family, your loved one says to you as you're driving, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. You're stupid. You're always stupid. You've always been stupid. That affects us differently. Why? The enemy uses people you know to wound you. So he says to David, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not able to do this. See, we aren't worthy. Here's the truth. We're not adequate. I mean, life is a big job. Parenting is tough. Marriage is hard. Life is a series of challenges, and you need help. And the reality is, the enemy is right. You aren't adequate for it, but that's a half-truth. 
because the real truth is our adequacy is not in ourselves. We are adequate, not in our own abilities. Our adequacy is in Christ. So we don't look to ourselves. We look to the Lord for our strength. So we say, I'm not worthy. I'm not adequate because of me. I am woefully inadequate. I'm filled with failures and full of mistakes. I've done the wrong thing many, many times, but there is one who never did anything wrong, and he's my Savior. And he's made me adequate. He's made me adequate to these things. 2 Corinthians 3, 4. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider as anything coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So our first thing is we're not, at, we're not worthy, but the Spirit of God makes us worthy. The second attack that the enemy comes is not you're not worthy, but you're not able. So news gets to Saul that somebody's willing to fight Goliath, which is good news for Saul. Now you think about it. Goliath is big. He's tall, nine feet tall. We know that Saul is tall because the description of Saul is that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So tall was Saul. Saul was the tallest of all the Israelites. So it would seem to make sense the most reasonable person that's going to fight the giant would be the tallest person we had. And he was the king. The role of the king was to lead the armies in battle. So really, he's the one that should have taken up the challenge, but 40 days go by, 40 nights go by, nobody is willing to take up the challenge. No warrior, not David's older brother, David's other brothers, none of the great warriors that fight for Israel, Saul, who has led them in war many, many times, nobody is willing to face Goliath. It seems to them to be certain death. So when they find out that David is willing they sent, Saul sent for David. Verse 33, then Saul said to David, you're not able. Isn't that encouraging? Listen, I know there's a giant here, and you said you're willing to go against him, but you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. So he said, you're not able. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear and a, came and took a lamb from the flock. And I went out after him and attacked him and rescued him from his mouth. And when he arose against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me hand out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Whatever you think you are, the enemy says, like Saul said, you won't be able, you're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're too young. You're too old. You're not experienced enough. You're not talented enough. You're not good enough. You're not educated enough. What the enemy will do, he will reinforce your inner fears. We all have wounds 
from things that have happened to us. And what the enemy is especially good at is finding where you have been wounded and then throughout your whole life, every time he gets a chance, poking his finger in that wound to remind you that you've been wounded. And especially if he can do it through the church. Especially if he can wound you through church people. See, we all get wounded. We all have bad experiences. But do you know, Satan doesn't care if you quit going to Walmart. So if you get wounded at Walmart, if you go to Walmart and they're rude at Walmart, you know what's going to happen next week? You're going to go back to Walmart. But if maybe Walmart is a too, lo- too low brow for you, you go to Target. And the people in Target don't treat you right, and they don't have in stock what you want, and they, 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 they do you wrong. Guess what? You're going to go back to Target. Because the enemy doesn't care. He doesn't care for you to be wounded by Target. But if somebody at church doesn't shake your hand or bump, bump, bump fist with you, you know what he's going to say? Did you see how they ignored you? They don't love you. They don't care about you. If they knew what you were really like, oh, if they knew how you struggled with stuff, they would. See, the enemy wants you to be wounded by the church, so he's going to point that out, and he'll point out every failure of every person, every point of hypocrisy, because he wants to separate you from the things that can bring you life. He will say, you're not able. David defeated those words of defeat with words of faith and victory. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. The lion and the bear were preparation for the giant. What you have been through was to prepare you for where you are now, not to defeat you. We all go through stuff, and the purpose of the lion and the bear was to prepare David for the giant, and the giant, the purpose of the giant, was to lift David from obscurity to an even greater calling. So once David defeated Goliath, there were no more battles. Right? That's it. We just just have to have this next battle, and we're done. What's the reality? The reality is, after, after, after David defeated Goliath, the battle didn't become every now and then. It became daily. It was all preparation. It was not the end. We are in a lifetime of battles. And each battle prepares us to walk in faith. Trusting God for the next battle because God delivered us from that one. He delivers from that one. He delivers from that one. He delivers from that one. We've made it through and God has enabled us to be prepared to fight the next battle. I'm not able, but God says I'm able because God doesn't just call qualified people. He qualifies those that he calls. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Why are we able to do it? Not because of us, but because of his power working within us. God says you're worthy. God says you're able in Christ. 
the enemy wants to say also you're not blessed so you can imagine the Philistine comes out David shows up verse 42 42 when the Philistine looked and saw David he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance now you can imagine this is not what Goliath is used to facing he's used to facing seasoned warriors what do seasoned warriors look like well they've got a sword mark across this cheek they've got one eye missing this ear's been cut off <laughs> they've been beat up from war they've had battles and they've had losses here comes this young kid redheaded handsome says and the philistine was disdained he was disgusted he said, you know, he's just disgusted. This, this, run, this run, of a, run of a kid has shown up to fight him. And Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? He's offended at who they've sent to come out against him. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. So David just is enduring this, this string of profanity. He's calling him all kinds of names. You're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. The Philistine also said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come with me with a sword, a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel and all of this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. You see, our enemy is the accuser of the brethren. That means he accuses you. You're a fake. You're a fraud. You're a failure. You're a loser. You're a sinner. You always sin. You always say you won't, but you do. Do you know how disappointed God is with you, you lousy, stinking sinner? See, he accuses us day and night. We feel that accusation. He says, you know, you're cursed. You're cursed. He wants you to interpret your life based on the curse. You're cursed. Things are not going to go well for you. You're cursed, David. Remember how you had to fight a lion? You had to fight a lion because you're cursed. Remember how you had to fight a bear? You think everybody's fought a bear? No, everybody hasn't fought a bear. You fought a bear because you're cursed. See, the enemy wants to take your life and interpret it through the window of that you're cursed, not blessed. But God says, David... I sent the bear and the lion as preparation for Goliath. You're not cursed, you're blessed. I prepared you. Those were days of preparation so that you'd be ready for this battle. He says, you have no right to face me. The enemy will gladly tell you everything you are not. Every reason why 
you're not blessed. You've had struggles, you've had difficulty, you've been divorced. Look at all that you've been through. You, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, you wouldn't have all these problems. Did the problems that David had mean that God didn't love him? No. It meant that God was preparing him. Who are you going to let interpret your life for you? Are you going to let the enemy of your soul interpret your life? Or are you going to let God interpret your life? Who are you going to let you? Are you cursed or you're blessed based on, on whose words? So David responds to this with words of faith. He responds to the accusation. You're worthless. You're no good. You're puny. You don't have what it takes. So he responds to that with words of faith. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. Now, I want you to notice there's a partnership here. He says, the Lord will deliver you. And I will strike you down and remove your head. This work of faith thing is a partnership. God doesn't need you to do anything. I mean, God spoke the world into existence and you and I weren't there. Cheer any moan. Hey, what if you did this? Make the giraffe a little taller. You know, he didn't need our help. He spoke the world's in existence. But God... God doesn't need you, but God won't do it without me. He can, but he won't. There's things, he wants us to be in a partnership. We're laborers together with God. You see, God didn't kill Goliath. 40 days, God's chosen people, Israel, are standing on the top of the mountain, listening to the taunts of the giant, and why didn't God just strike him dead? Isn't that how we want God to work? God just take him out. God take him out. And I'm sure they're talking. Why, did, why didn't God take him out? So one day, a young, ruddy kid shows up and says, I'll do it. I'll do it. You see, that's the way God works. He won't do it without you. Nothing happened until David stepped forward in faith. When David made the declaration, God will and I will. He had to show up. He had to walk down and face Goliath. He had to pull the stone out of his pocket and put it in his sling. And he had to whirl that stone. And somehow that stone hit the exact right spot. Was it David or God? I don't know. But the giant fell down. And when the giant fell down, David cut off his head. It was a partnership. God always works through partnership. God is waiting for us to speak in faith. He's waiting for you to speak words of faith. He's waiting for you to pray prayers of faith. For you to believe God and step out. He's waiting for you to act. You know, somebody had to act. Somebody had to do it. Was, it's good to speak and it's good to pray. You could... He could stand on the side and say, Goliath, we're going to take you down. Hey, everybody, let's get a little circle here. Let's pray about Goliath. Let's pray about somebody taking down Goliath. It's good to speak. It's good to pray. But eventually, somebody had to walk out there and face him. So David walked out, faced him, 
and he fell. David understood who he was and that he was worthy because God made him worthy. He was adequate because God made him adequate. And he was blessed because he was called and chosen by God. He understood who he was. Here's what Paul says. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, with which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, summing up all things in Christ, things in the heaven and things on the earth in him, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. You know what Paul is trying to tell the Ephesians? Hey, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed with an inheritance. You're blessed with forgiveness. You're blessed with grace lavished upon you. You're blessed with sonship. You're blessed with eternity. He said, you're blessed. See, the mistake we make, our small thinking, this is our small thinking. You know what we think of as blessing? Money. We, we shrink it to this little tiny category. You're blessed if you have money. I want to tell you, you're blessed because you have Christ. And in Christ, you have the riches of eternity. What you have makes Jeff Bezos look like a pauper. What you have makes Bill Gates look like a chump and a pauper. You're blessed. You're blessed because you have the riches of Christ. You have the inheritance of Christ. Your sins have been washed away. You've been made a son of God. You know what God says about you? You know what God says about you? God doesn't say, that one's a little bit of trouble. That one struggles quite a bit. Oh, that one just keeps on sinning. That Paul wears the loud clothes. I don't know. Donnie too. What does he say? He says, no. That one's mine. That one's mine. That's my called, chosen, forgiven, destined for greatness, Son of God. I've been made worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not adequate. I'm not able. I'm not capable. But He has done it in me. Our capability is in Christ. You're worthy in Christ. You're able in Christ. You're blessed in Christ. You are what God says you are. You're not what your older brother says, your family. 
Some of you have believed a word. Somebody spoke a word to you, and you believed it, and it was a lie. And you have embraced that your whole life. Oh, they said this. Well, what has God said? Yeah, they said it. Somebody said it. Somebody who loved you said something hurtful. You know what? You need to reject that. It's not what your family says. It's not what the enemy says. Don't let the enemy of your soul define you. Can you imagine if David walked away from that mountain saying, well, you know, he cursed me, so I'm cursed. Goliath says I'm nothing. Goliath challenges my parentage. He didn't believe that. He believed what God said about him. You got to be, what are you going to believe? Choose what you're going to believe. You have to make a choice about the words that have been spoken over you. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God says? Are you going to believe what the enemy says? Are you going to believe what people say? We need to choose. I am worthy and I am able and I am blessed because I have an inheritance in Christ that is imperishable not fading away for me. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Okay. Some of you need to let some things go. You need to let some hurtful things go. You need to quit listening to the enemy of your soul. And start listening to the Savior of your soul. Start, stop listening to the one who hates you and wants your destruction. And start listening to the one who loves you and wants to give you life eternal. He wants to set you free of those words that have been spoken, that have haunted you and have held you back. Father, in Jesus' name, we come against every lie that the enemy has spoken into our hearts, into our minds that we have embraced, that we have believed. Every wound and every hurt that says that we are not worthy, that we are not able, and that we are not blessed. And we reject those as lies. And we know that the things that have happened were not to destroy us, but to make us stronger. The things that have happened were to prepare us for the challenges of today. The things that have happened brought us to a place where we received salvation in Christ. They had a divine purpose in bringing us the ability to depend upon you. And so now I say, in Christ, I am worthy. In Christ, I am able. And in Christ, I am blessed. And I choose to not believe what the enemy says, but to believe what the lover of my soul says about me. I receive it in Jesus' name. I am worthy, I am able, and I am blessed. Say that. I am worthy, I am able, and I am blessed in Jesus. In Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, Lord bless you. Love you. Have a great week.